So let's go ahead and read our verse together. It's John 15, 13. No one has greater love than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. Okay, great. You were fearfully and wonderfully made by God. You were fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And the human body is amazing. It is a miracle. It's a God thing. And our body will naturally fight off diseases. But aren't you grateful for scientists, Christian scientists, who are able to help our body's immune system to fight it off even greater? And it's just amazing. So I'm grateful, Mike, again, thank you for the time you put into that and for the knowledge of, of preparing us for today. Um, it's 1146, and so I'm going to jump into this, and we'll be done probably around 1230 or quarter to one. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> Some of you just had a heart attack. <laughs> what? what? My body shuts down at 12. Here's the question of the day. We're obviously not going to get through this entire lesson, but I want to get the main idea through here. Are you, am I, are we, willing to be servants? Are we willing to be servants or do we prefer to be served? Are we servants? We wanted you to think through that for a moment because I think that is the basis of what's going on here. Because a lot of times we feel valued by our position in society. Think about it. What do people tend to perceive their value on the basis of? Like, I'm important because blank. Fill in that blank real quick. Job. I am important because of God. No, job. Job. Thank you. I was going to say, not where I was going. Yeah, what you can produce. Your job. What you can produce. I'm important because of what I produce. What else? Status. Status. Which is kind of known by what? Wealth. Wealth. Title. Title. You know, my, your, your name tag. You know, it's like, what's up? You know, what letters do you have after your name or whatever the case may be? Your status from a celebrity. Your, your celebrity status. Which is often noticed by what? Whether you're being accepted for roles. How about sports? sports. Your role in a, in a team. What you make. How many friends you have on Facebook? You post something. Now, let, let me ask you this question. Does it matter when you post something how many people saw it or liked it now to you? You, yeah. <laughs> you know, and those are things. Are you depressed if you put something out and somebody else got more likes than you did? Or whatever the case may be. And, and all these kinds of things, we, we get into the pressure of who is greater is the question Jesus is asking us today. And again, as we go through the series, what I'd like you to ask yourself is the question, what if Jesus asked me this question? Okay? A dispute also arose among them. If you have your Bibles, your apps, whatever, take them and look at Luke 22 rose among them as to which one of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, 
The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them. I'm going to stop here for a second. Can someone tell me, if you have your Bible out or your app out, what just finished? What, what just happened before this dispute occurred? What was it? The Last Supper. Are you kidding me? Here's what's going on. Jesus brings them together for the Last Supper. He begins telling them about the body of Christ, his, the bread and the wine that represented his blood that was going to be shed. He goes through this with them. He communicates to them that one of them is going to betray him. Oh, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? Judas, is it me? You have said so. Uh, yeah. Go and do what you need to do. And he takes off to get his 30 pieces of silver. And then the disciples begin to argue amongst each other. Who's the greatest? Are you kidding me? Jesus is just talking to them about his death, his burial, his shedding of blood for the sins of the world. That his body was going to be destroyed for them. And then they begin arguing about who's the greatest. Well, who's more important? He says, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should live like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who's at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. In other words, what he's trying to do, and he's, he, he's done before, he's, he's knelt down and washed their feet. He's been a role model of servant leadership through this whole experience. He's willing to sacrifice himself for them. And he says, you know what? You're trying to argue about stuff that doesn't really even matter. Well, I don't want that for you. I don't want you to live like the world. The world is looking for position. They're looking for power. They're looking for control. Stop. Don't be like that. Be a servant. But that's not flashy, is it? That's not, I mean, if I'm going to serve my wife, I've got to give up some of the things that I like doing. If I'm going to serve my husband, I'm going to give up some things that I love to do. If I'm going to serve my children, I'm going to give up time that I wanted to just to chill. If I'm going to serve my community, I'm going to give up time that I can normally get to watch my favorite television show. All these kinds of things come into play. And Jesus is saying to us, wait, are you willing to serve? Now, for those of you who have the gift, the spiritual gift of service, okay? I don't know if you recognize, but more so than teaching, I know beyond a shadow of doubt, I've always had the gift of service. Okay, since becoming a follower of Christ, that is my number one driving spiritual gift. It's not teaching, it's, it's serving. If you asked me, hey, would, you know, if Liberty came to me and go, okay, what you're going to be responsible for now, we don't have the, the finances to clean the bathrooms, I'd be the one, I'll take care of that. And not because I'm going to go, hey, look at me, that's just what I do. I'm okay with that. Now, you know, it's like, uh, do I always do that around my house? No. <laughs> There's a natural inclination to do, but so be careful 
if your spiritual gift is service, one of two things can happen. Your greatest strength can be your greatest weakness. Your greatest strength can cause you to abandon your priorities for others, like a spouse or family or whatever, because you're busy, too busy doing stuff. The other thing is you can start looking down on people who don't have your gift. And you can say, well, why don't they serve? Why aren't they doing it enough? And you can get a lousy attitude toward people who don't get involved. Why aren't they getting involved? Why aren't they serving? It's like the person who has the gift of evangelism thinks everybody ought to be knocking on the doors every day of the week. And he's like, if you're not leading people to Christ every week, I, I don't even know how you can call yourself a Christian. Or people who have the gift of giving, they use that spiritual gift, and all of a sudden that gift becomes so over-controlling that it's like, why isn't everybody else giving 25% of their income? Or whatever the case. Do you understand the point? So in this idea, I don't want it to be taken out of context. Jesus isn't saying, give up everything that you do for serving. Because remember, Jesus got a load to pray. He also at times taught. He was involved in a lot of different things. He wasn't always serving, and neither do you. Okay? But this wasn't the first time a dispute occurred over the disciples' position. Someone who's got a good voice, would you read Matthew 20, 20 to 28? Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine might sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? We can, he answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When, they, when the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the other two brothers. <clears throat> Jesus called after them and said, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. So here we are. This is, this is you know, much earlier. So this is not the same event. He's already, in other words, had this discussion with the disciples, and they're still not getting it. Okay? He goes, the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, make a request of Jesus. Okay, imagine this. They're sitting down. They're talking together. Jesus is there. And, and mom comes over and kneels down next to Jesus. And she, she has this wanting look. And he, what do you want? What can I do for you? And she says, uh, I want James and John to be prominent in your kingdom. I want one to sit on your right hand and one to sit on your left. Are you kidding me? Think about what she's asking. Do we ever have any helicopter moms in our culture today? You know, or some of them I call Apache moms. Okay, because they call up and they were they demanding. This is what I want. Do you realize how you're hurting your son or daughter by doing this? You know, and it's like, and sometimes now they, they, they will respond to the guys will do this too. I had a dad even earlier about a month ago say, you know, I never do this, but I'm speaking on behalf of my son. And, you know, it's like, why don't you have your son contact me? You know, well, he probably won't. 
Maybe that's why, because you always do it for him. Are you helping him? But here he is. You know, why would she ask him and not her son standing by their side? So James and John are standing there as mom is kneeling next to Jesus asking for this. Hey, give my sons a prominent place in your kingdom. Why did they ask? What do you think? Why did they ask? Too embarrassed. Too embarrassed to maybe ask. They knew better. They knew better. They already knew what Jesus was going to say, but maybe if mom asked. Now, where could they have gotten that idea from? What was Jesus' first miracle? Turning water into wine. Because his mother asked. I asked a group of Catholic evangelical Catholics, meaning they believed in accepting Jesus Christ, their personal savior, but they also believed in praying to Mary. This was years and years ago. I did a camp for them. And I asked them this question, why do you pray to Mary? Here was their response. Our priest told us, if you want something from dad, if you get mom on your side, mom will go to dad and tell him what to do. Just like Mary did when she talked to Jesus, the mother of Jesus, when she did that at the, at the when he did perform his first miracle, turning water to wine. He goes, woman, what do I have to do with this wedding? I, I, I'm attending the wine, but she goes, just do what I ask you to do. She, and she tells people, she goes, do whatever he tells you to do. And what does he do? He complies. He complies with his mom, her request. So they're, they're thinking, I, this has worked before. We're going to do this, okay? Well, yeah, you, but don't that, you don't know that they put him up to put mom up to it either. No, you they don't. Might, they might not have warned it that bad. They could have just put mom warned it for him. Yeah. We want better for our kids. The, the issue, though, unfortunately, is they were already disputing among themselves who was going to be the greatest. So now we've got a mom willing to speak up for us. So maybe she'll be able to listen to them. Yeah, so the other thing is then Mary was alive. She's not alive. Right. She's born human like the rest of us, so what makes you think she's going to hear anything you say? Exactly. Okay? Jesus asked them a question. Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? What was Jesus asking them? What was? Let's make it clear. What was Jesus asking them? Were they willing to suffer just like I'm going to suffer? And they both said, yes, we can. Woo we'll do it. Did they? Yes. Not like Jesus, but G uh, James was killed by the sword. If you go to Acts 12, verse 1 and 2, it says it was about that time that King Herod arrested some of those belonging, who belonged to the church. Intending to persecute them, he had James, the brother of John, son of sons of Deity, put to death with a sword. And if you continue on in that passage, everybody around him liked it. This is great. So he started persecuting more. It was like, I got the thumbs up for persecuting James. So this is a good deal. I'll keep doing it. They were happy about it. John, okay, he was actually banished to the island of Patmos, which we have the book of Revelation. Now, that was actually a prison, okay? It, he was probably a slave in the mines there, but was also able to write. He was given the privilege of writing, and they were able to take that. He was later released. John was actually later released. And now some things said that, they, that he was 
he was he was killed. Most history says that he probably died uh, at Ephesus at AD 100 of natural causes. It's just old age. Okay, but did he suffer for the cause of Christ? Absolutely. All the disciples ultimately did. The rest of the disciples became angry with James and John. Jesus gave them this charge. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. How do we develop this attitude as a disciple of Jesus? Now think through that for a moment. We're going to close on this slide today. But I want you to ask this, yourself this question. How do we develop the attitude of a servant who is really a slave to others? Do you remember how the writers of scripture often began their letters? Paul, a servant, a slave, okay, a doulos, one who owns nothing. I am completely owned by my Lord. I owe nothing. Everything is his. I am a bond servant. I willingly, it's not a slave in the sense of, you know, you're forced to do something. It's a willingness. I, I say yes. It's because I want to. I give up everything, Lord, for you. I give you everything. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Do we understand that? We use the term Lord. Is he your Lord? See, that's why in Romans 10, 9, for if you shall confess the Lord Jesus Christ or that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The question is, is who's Lord? Am I Lord? And I just like Jesus for eternity? Or is he Lord of my life? And what he says, I will do. And, you know, we don't beat ourselves up. We know scripture. When we sin, we confess it because everyone sins. First John 1 John 1.8, but we can confess it. He's faithful just to forgive us. But he said the, the example of Jesus, he said he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. First John gives us a clear, if we, if we walk in him, if we believe that we are in him, we should walk as Jesus walked. Do, am I here to be served or to serve and to give my life a ransom for many? In other words, is, is this my life? Is it all about my 80, 90, whatever, 70, 60 years? Is this all that there is? Or is there eternity? What will be my focus today? What will be my life about today? How do we avoid an entitlement attitude and give our life away for others? Our culture says that's not fair. Our culture says you deserve a break today. Our culture says it's all about you. And so, you know, we, we struggle with our children and our grandchildren as they continue to 
be influenced by this culture that says, hey, make it about your happiness. It's about your happiness. But the greatest joy of our life can be when we are like Christ and give our lives away to others. Because that's something that can never be taken away. Your wealth can go away overnight. Your health can go away with one phone call. Your status can be gone instantaneously. Your job may not be around tomorrow. Everything that's temporal can go away. But when we sacrifice and we give to others, when we act like Jesus, that's eternal. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, your word tells us that we have to renew our minds. The reason why we have to renew our minds, Lord, is because this world is bombarding us with falsehoods that sound good. Forgive us when we are selfish, self-centered, and have an attitude of entitlement. God, may we learn how to die to ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow you. We love you, Lord, and we want to show that love through our attitudes, our motives, and our actions. Forgive us when we haven't been that way. But Lord, you're not done with us yet. Your word tells us in Philippians 1.6 that you, who have begun a good work in us, will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. May you continue the work of sanctification in each of us. May we love and serve each other as we follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you all. Have a great week, and I hope and pray that this lesson will continue to be working in all of our hearts this week. Take care.